So this past weekend, I uh, was at a wedding. I go to a lot of weddings these days um, for two reasons. Sometimes I'm officiating the wedding where I organize and the people get married and, um, you know, I put my blessing on there and hope that they make it all the way through. So far, everyone I've married has stayed together, so that's a real win. Uh, But sometimes I'm officiating and then sometimes uh, I'm filming. So I have a side company with my wife and a couple people and we go to weddings and we film them, put a little video together so that they remember, all right? So I go to many weddings for many different reasons, but nonetheless, I have been to a lot. And so this past weekend, um, I had uh, two weddings that we were attending and I got to the second one and something happened that I really don't see often and honestly, I've only seen one other time. This couple was um, friends of my family, friends of my sister. They were a sweet young couple that absolutely loved the Lord. And I could tell just by being around them for a few minutes that these guys were really serious about their relationship with Jesus. Everything they were doing on that particular day was really being funneled through that vision. Um, They got together, they did what they call a first touch. Has anyone ever heard of this? No, I'm about to educate you right now, peoples, okay? You are welcome for this. So, so nowadays, it's becoming more and more common that you do a first look, where you kind of have stage this moment, you turn around, you see each other, and you all smile, but you don't get to see each other for the first time as the bride's walking down the aisle. It's kind of a new trend that's happened. Well, some people like the idea of this moment for video and photography purposes, but they just still don't want to see their bride until that moment when they're walking down the aisle, right? That's really cool. So they created this thing called the first touch, where basically they would use a corner kind of like this, and they'd put their hands around the corner, but they wouldn't look at each other. And so they'd talk to each other. This couple prayed together. It was super powerful. Prayed together, grabbing hands and all that. Well, then what they did, this particular couple, they exchanged letters. And they read these letters, right? Really sweet. But inside the letter that this sweet bride wrote to her groom, he opened up the envelope. And inside was a note. And her true love waits ring. Super cool. And what she wrote in the note was private, so I won't share it with all of you. But the idea, the gist of it was, is look, I have waited my entire life to do this, to do it with you, and to do it right. And it's not just about the wedding night. They're talking about the wedding. They're talking about the marriage and the relationship. And it was so cool to see this couple kind of live out their walk with Jesus and to be praying in front of all these different vendors and could care less who was watching, who was listening. They just loved Jesus. And I was sitting there and I was watching this and I was so excited because this girl was my sister's roommate, right? So I'm like, yeah, my sister's awesome. This is great. I was worried for a while, but now I know. Just kidding. But I'm watching this and I... It dawned on me that of all the weddings that I've been to, I have only seen something like this one other time. And I, I got a lot of, I mean, there was one once, we did 43 weddings, okay? There's a lot of weddings over the last six, seven years. Only one other time have I seen something like this. And got me thinking, why? Why are there not more couples? And this isn't just purity, but why are there not more couple so dedicated to Jesus that everything else just comes second. And it got me thinking. And the more I thought about it, I've come to a couple conclusions. I think the main one is this. We don't know how. Where we are learning, where we are soaking in our information on how to do life, how to do relationships, how to live out our call is coming from places that are not interested in us doing it in a way that honors the Lord or that is good for us, but mostly so that they could make money, i.e. movies, books, music, fill in the blank. And though this isn't the solution to all of the problem, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that, man, how timely are we sitting in this series? Because the truth is there's a lot of us that we just don't know how to do some of these things and to do them well. So then I started thinking, okay, so where do we go? Do we go to Hollywood, right? Because they know everything, right? They're loaded. They got that, if you have money, you should know everything, right? No. Do we go to Dr. Phil? I don't know. Maybe some of you do. Maybe you're Oprah people. Maybe you go there and get some advice. Maybe you read some books. And then I started thinking about the Bible, because y'all know I love the Bible. That's what we do here. And then if you look at the Bible, though, it's quite interesting, 
particularly in the realm of dating, you could scan the scriptures quite a bit, and what you will notice is that there's actually not really anything about dating. And you go, I knew this place was a joke. I mean, come on, you've been pushing this Bible thing, and yet this dating thing is really important to me, so where am I supposed to get my advice? And I started thinking about, why, I wonder why. Now, there's some historical things, we'll talk about that later. But I was just thinking in general, the Lord knows, he's in control of everything. He's navigating everything. He loves you, and I, so I wonder why. Why didn't he just carve out a good section of the scriptures for you in your 20s, for me when I was in my 20s and when I was single? For, why didn't he just carve out this section of scripture so that we know what to do and how to do it and that we could focus in on this and we could engage in on this and we could probably start a bunch of ministries dedicated to this? And I thought about it, I thought about it, and I think the reason is, is this. Maybe our relationships are not the main storyline of our life. Could it be that the reason we don't find a Bible full of advice on how you can find and be the great one and date well and all of this is not that it's not important, but is it possible that God's vision and view for your life and mine is significantly bigger than just that? Now I say that for this reason. We, as a culture, have invested so much time, energy, and emotions into this that it has sucked some of us dry. How many of you, you just think right now, you don't have to raise your hand, like you had a relationship that just wrecked you. Wrecked you. And the more you look back on it, you realize there were some things I just did wrong. Put in too much, didn't put enough, didn't know what I was doing, did this. I mean, we think about all of this, and what we realize is right now, in fact, this is, this is honest truth. Part of the excitement of this is not that we're doing a new series. It's that we're doing a new series on relationships. Every time we do a series on relationships, more people show up. Did you know that? And some of you are like, oh, that was me. Don't look. Don't look right now. It's okay. It's all good. Anywhere you go, find a ministry and say, what's your most exciting series you've ever They're always going to say, with the, with the college, with 20s, with singles, when we do relationships, man, this place is packed out. Everybody loves to hear the same thing over and over and over again. Why is that? Well, probably, and I'm not, I'm not dogging this, hear this carefully, but it's probably because we have put way too much emphasis in this. We have focused way too much in this area. Now, it sounds like I'm about to say, I thought you thought we were doing a relationship, we're gonna do something else. I'm not gonna do that to you. But what I wanna do immediately from the get-go before we go any further is to ground us a little bit, to center our focus on what matters and let everything else fall into place. So here we go, uncensored, dating, marriage, sex. Notice the order, all right? For whatever reason, when people market these things, they always say sex, dating, marriage. Get it right, all right? There's an order here. I even put it in the video I was so passionate about. I was like, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it right, from the, even from the title, all right? This is a big deal, all right? So there's an order here. And so what I've decided as we're navigating through this series is we're gonna walk through the flow of a relationship. We're gonna pretend that every one of you are single right now, because newsflash, you are. All right, now don't look at your boyfriend and be like, I told you it wasn't, no, not that. What I'm saying is you're not married. So we're all in this room, we're single, okay? We're starting at the beginning. Now some of you are in a relationship, so then as we begin to move through the next few weeks, you're gonna be able to progress through those moments. Others of you, that's gonna come down the road, but you're gonna get prepared for it. But we're gonna walk all the way through from being single all the way through to marriage. We'll just spend one week on marriage, but I wanna give you some insights on marriage so that you can already begin preparing for what that's going to look like in the coming months and years of your life, okay? So that's what we're gonna do. It's gonna be super exciting, it's gonna be great. Do not fall asleep. If you do, I'm gonna yell at you, and it's gonna be fun, and I'll be great. Here's the big idea. Our single season needs to move from disappointment to discovery. From disappointment to discovery. It is possible, in fact, I would argue that it is real, that your singleness, your days right now are most productive when we stop trying to find the one but focus in on becoming the one. If we can readjust our focus, right? Some of you, listen, you're, you're anxious. 
You're anxious about, that's why you were excited because everyone's gonna be talking about relationships. That means they're probably gonna wanna start dating right after this, so this is the perfect time for me to plant myself right in the middle next to this cute guy here and this cute guy here. I got a 50-50 shot that one of these is gonna work. This is the moment, but you're anxious because you're thinking about it. And all of a sudden, it got real awkward where you were sitting, right? But you're thinking about it. You're trying to process this and you're pumped up, but then you're not sure. And you're like, what is this guy saying? It sounds like something I've never heard before. I don't know where we're going. The idea here is this. We have got to zero in on taking this idea of being single and flip it upside on its head. Because I am telling you right now, mark my words, you're gonna look back and you're going to say, not that your single days were better than your married days, but you will look back and you will say, my single days were amazing and my married days are amazing if we do it right. Singleness is a gift from God. Now let's not get ahead of ourselves. First, let's reset our focus. Open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We're going to look at two verses real quick and then we'll jump into 1 Corinthians and that's going to navigate us the rest of the evening. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this. It may be a verse you're familiar with. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Right there we could stop and say, okay, no more dating, all right? You knew this was coming. No more dating, all right? For the next six weeks, no one in this room is allowed to date. I'm just kidding. That's a good idea, though. I'm just throwing it out there, okay? You see that subtle little softball I threw out? But for the next six weeks, we're not gonna date. We're gonna do one thing. We're gonna seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and then we're gonna trust that a good, good father, notice the song that was for you, Aaron, that a good, good father is going to lay on top of us all of the blessings that he has in store for us. But we're not gonna worry about the blessings. We're not gonna worry about the relationships. We're not gonna worry about the marriage. We're gonna focus on one thing. I wanna seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'm gonna let all this unfold. Listen, if we will do this, if you will seek first the kingdom of God, and righteousness. What's the righteousness? It's to become more and more like Christ, to be made seen righteous in the eyes of God. It happens through Christ, and then it's the sanctification process or the process of becoming more and more like Christ that follows that. Listen, if you will become more like Christ, you will be a much better candidate to get into a relationship. You're, the person you will attract will be of higher caliber simply by not doing it to find the one, but doing it because you wanna honor the Lord. Ladies, Am I wrong that when you see a man that loves the Lord, he just moves up on the list? Am, am I wrong? If I am, it's okay. Hopefully I'm not, because I would ruin everything we're about to say. I'll speak for you. You know it's true. When you see a man that loves the Lord, and he's cute, he loves the Lord, you just go, that's what I'm talking about. That, that, that's it right there. That is a man that could lead me. I want that. Do you want to be the one? Who goes, hey, honey, come on, keep up, babe, keep up. We're trying to trying to get through life here, trying to raise those kids. Kitty, kitty, keep up, honey. Kitty, kitty, kitty. You're a little bit. Come on, catch up, baby. Love you so much, but I'm gonna love you. Let hurry up. Let's go. No, but when you see a man that stands for the Lord and is following and pursuing Him, you go. That's I, I want that. When you get like tunnel vision, and you should, not to a stalker point. That's crazy, but you should. Listen, the idea here is before we go any further, let's set this first step. Is what. We're gonna seek first the Lord and let everything else. Do you trust God? Do you? Look what it says next. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, or translation for our talk, do not be anxious about this man or woman eventually coming to you. Do you trust God? Because if you do, you will have no problem saying, you know what, not worried about any of that. I'm just gonna seek first the kingdom of God and I know my good father is gonna take care of me. I'm not even worried about it. Not even worried about it. I'm just gonna pursue this thing. If you trust God, you will no longer be anxious about this category. Even if you're 35 or 40. If you trust God. Now, it doesn't mean you are a total failure in the life of a Christian if you are having issues in this area. But what I wanna say to you is that anxiety comes out of fear. Anxiety comes from a place of fear. 
If you have a trust in Jesus that he is going to take care of and provide for you, and you trust him by your actions of simply seeking him and not worried about anything else, I promise you things are gonna begin to come together. Now, I'm not saying tonight you're gonna walk out of here and go, I'm seeking Jesus, there's my man. It's not gonna happen that quick, but as you walk and live this out, I'm telling you it'll happen. Here's how I can tell you this. Not because I've written a book, but because I have lived it out myself. My entire life as a single, I did every relationship wrong in every way possible. Never did it right. And then I, I got saved when I was young, but I will say I, I put the Lord in his rightful place in my life and I began to walk with him. I began to come under the teachings of the word of God. I began to apply those to my life. And I got to a point, if I could just be honest, where I looked around and I was like, I see no one that I'm interested in marrying. So I'm literally just gonna take this dating thing and I'm just gonna put it onto the side. I, I really, I don't care anymore. Like, I kind of like Paul. He's cool. He writes a lot of good stuff in the scriptures. I'm just going to be like him. This is great. And I began to walk my life not worried about any other person. And you know what happened? I'll tell you what. My relationships changed dramatically. I had so many more friends because we weren't worried about, is someone going to date? Are you going to date? Are you taking my person? I had dibs on her, but that's so weird and unbiblical. Like, how, how do we do all I didn't have any of that. So you want to go play flag football? Let's go. That's how I met my wife, by the way. You want to play flag football? Let's go. You want to play soccer? Let's go. You want to play basketball? Let's go. You want to go to Starbucks? Let's go. You want to go eat dinner some random place that's really not good, but it's a hole in the wall. Someone said it was good. Let's go. We had all this freedom because no one was wrapped up in the details that distracted us from what we were trying to do. And as we began to walk and to pursue the Lord, we watched as God began to work in our lives. And I tell you what, the moment that I began into this season, the anxiety was gone. And I'll tell you this the Lord began to prepare me to be worthy enough to find my wife. Because I'll tell you what, before I started that season, my sweet wife would have looked at me and said, hmm, we should pray for him and then keep walking. Because I had absolutely nothing to offer to her, a woman that had dedicated her life to the Lord. So when I say your standards go up, they go up. But listen, we're not seeking first the kingdom so that we could be better for our person. We're seeking first the kingdom because we trust that God's gonna bring the rest. And this is exactly what he's saying. Anxiety comes out of a place of fear. Now let's move to 1 Corinthians 7. This is where we'll camp out the rest of the time. But now that we have set the groundwork, let's keep going. Verse six says this. Now as a concession, by the way, Paul is writing this. Paul was a single man. He possibly could have been married at some point in his life. It's hard to debate, but some different things historically show us that maybe before he became a believer, he might have been married. It's irrelevant, and then it is, because it shows you two things. One, he understood a little bit about marriage, so he's not speaking as a guy that has no history, but he also knows about being a single man, which he is without a doubt writing in this season to you and I. And so this is a guy that we want writing, right? Let Peter deal with marriage, because Peter was married. Let Paul deal with singleness, because he's walking in the life of a single person. So here he goes. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one from one kind, one from another. Did you catch that? He said, I kind of wish everybody was single, but it's okay. Some of you are going to get the gift of marriage. Some of you are going to get the gift of singleness. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, hold the phone. How do I not get the gift of singleness? Because I don't want that gift. That, that's not what I want to open at Christmas. That's not what I want on my birthday. You could put any kind of bow on it. It's not going to change anything. I don't want that. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. If God does call you into a life of singleness, God is going to give you the satisfaction in that life. God is going to make you content. And it's not even a, he's gonna force you to be content. You will not desire what's on the other side because God will help you find your purpose in that. Now, when we talk about people being single their entire life, we're talking honestly about a very, very small group of people. It's not the common. The most common is that people will get married. So I don't wanna freak you out, but we wanna talk about all the sides here. But what does Paul say? Notice he says, but each one has its own gift. He just said that marriage and singleness are a gift. This is important. Both of them are equally a blessing to the Lord and to you. Some of us are called to one. Most of us will be called to the other. The gift of singleness, this is what we're going to spend the next few minutes on, is this idea of a life dedicated to seeking after the Lord. And the gift of marriage is a life 
dedicated of seeking after the Lord, you just get to do it with someone else by your side. Isn't that cool? Nothing changes. Whether there's a ring on it or not, it doesn't matter. Catch the bouquet or not is irrelevant. We're all doing, somebody didn't catch that. We're all doing the same thing. We are seeking first the kingdom of God and trusting that he will bring the rest. Now I can tell on some of your faces right now that you're going, I, I see that you're really excited about this, but I'm not sure I'm excited about this because the truth is I kind of want to skip this part and just get right into the person that's going to be sitting next to me next week that is going to be my one because I'm going to do what you're saying. I put my eyes on Jesus and he's going to bring me the one that I'm going to marry and we're going to come in here together and we're going to start this journey. And I want to tell you right now, if you don't loosen up the grip on this, you may be single far longer than you desire. Why? Because God loves you. Not that he wants to punish you, but because he loves you. And he wants what's best for you. And praise the Lord, God didn't bring Sarah into my life before I was ready to receive her because she would not have hung around. And so for some of us, we've got to loosen up a little bit and say, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me now? Where do I go from here? And some of you are in a relationship right now, and you're like, this is really getting weird, because I kind of feel like he's telling me to break up with you, but I'm not even going to look right now, because this is really weird. And here's what I want to say to you. We're talking about singleness as in not being married. So it's okay, but I'd proceed with caution as the coming weeks come. But that was just a fair warning, because I care about you. And he goes on in verse 32, jump ahead. Here's what he says about singleness. I want you to be free from anxieties. Don't you want to be free from that? I do too. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. And the unmarried or the betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things and how to please her husband. Now right there you go, wait a minute, now I'm so confused because now it sounds like marriage is a bad thing. Does it kind of sound like that? And that's not at all what he's saying, but what he's trying to articulate to you and I is that when you get married, life gets more difficult. Yes, if my wife was here, I would still say that. It's okay. See, some of you right now, look, I'm going to give you a news flash. This is so great. Some of you right now, you're looking at your schedules and you're going, I just don't know how I'm going to make it through tomorrow. Like, I'm so stressed out. My life is so hard. And I just want to tell you, it probably is really hard. But I just want to tell you, when you get married, there's going to be a whole set of challenges that are going to lay on top of what you're experiencing right now. And then some of you are going to have kids. Some of you need to wait. Some of you are going to have kids. And you're going to lay a whole new set of challenges. And you're going to be looking back on those days when you were just juggling school and that job and just trying to, you know, make it on the couch and just hanging out and doing your thing, going out whenever you want, going to Starbucks, doing ours. And now you've got a wife that you've got to report to all the time. I'm just kidding. All right? You always got, life gets difficult. And then you're going to have kids and you're going, this, I thought this was easy. And this is what Paul is saying. Marriage is an unbelievable gift. It is one of the greatest things you will experience in the correct season of your life. It will make things better, but it will also make things difficult. Being single is an incredible gift in the correct season of life. It'll make things better, but it'll also make things more difficult. And what Paul wants you and I to see is you have an opportunity that if we do it right, biblically, you will not get to go back to. Because divorce isn't an option, right? Sorry. Newsflash, okay. Despite what the culture tells you, divorce is not an option. So once you say, I do, you say forever and always, okay? So given that, you don't ever get to go back to being single. What you are experiencing right now, you can see it as a ticking clock that is ticking ticking down. This is an opportunity. This is a moment when you're not going to be distracted trying to figure out, is it time to ask her to marry me? 
and then trying to find a ring, and then trying to find some money so that you can get that ring, then trying to find a place to get married, then trying to decide who you're going to invite. You don't want to offend everyone, but you can't invite everyone. And then you've got to figure out where you're going to go on your honeymoon. Then you've got to figure out what you're going to do on your honeymoon. That's another topic. Then you're going to keep going, and then you're going to try to find a house. Then you're going to decide if you want to buy a car. Do we want to do a debt-free? Do we want to do a Dave Ramsey? Do we not? Do we want to do all these things? And then you're going to be thinking about, do we want to have kids, or do we just want to have a puppy? Puppy seems a lot easier. Maybe that's the way we should go. Do we want to have one kid, two kids, three kids, four kids? Do we need to get insurance? Of course we need to get insurance. How are we going to do this? Are you going to work? Am I going to work? Are we both going to work? Do I get to stay home? Do you get to stay home? Are we going to take multiple jobs so that we can live in a bigger house because everyone else is living? And you start thinking about all these things. They're all great. Every one of those things I just listed have the potential to be incredible in your life. But at the same time, they bring a sense of anxiety that you are not having to deal with right now. Do you get this? Now, what Paul is trying to do is literally come up to you and go, don't miss the moment. Got it? Don't, if I could do this, every one of you. Um, Paul, I'm just speaking for Paul, right? Don't hit me. I know you're like, if you come to me, I'm going to knock you out because I don't like what you're saying right now. This is, this is the Lord through Paul, through me, saying to you, listen, listen, this is your moment. So what do we do? Well, good thing Paul keeps going. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure an undivided devotion to the Lord. What do we do with this incredible gift of singleness? We use it to secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord. Can I ask you a question without you responding? Just think it over in yourself. Have you secured an undistracted devotion to the Lord? If you haven't, you have some work to do before you're ready to say, I do. Isn't it nice to know that ahead of time? Right? That's good news. And here's the truth. You can find someone before, it's, before you're ready. In fact, you could marry someone before you're ready. Just look around at some of the marriages around you. Some of those people you go, I don't know why they got, how did they get married? How did he even find, makes no sense to me. He can't even handle a dollar. How is he going to raise a kid? I don't even understand this. It is possible to marry someone, to find someone that is, is not a good fit for you in the right season of life. It's all possible. So all of you today could leave her and just go forget all of that. I'm just going to find the first person that walks by. It's probably going to be the UPS guy, but that's all right. Whatever you need to do. But what we're trying to say to you is if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then trust that all things will be added onto you and then while doing this, you will embrace that singleness is not punishment or a restraint, but it's a gift. Singleness is not a restraining from God. It's a preparing so that you might have a strainless marriage. Now, it doesn't mean it's gonna be strain-free, okay? Don't miss that, okay? Because it's, it's not. Like, marriage is awesome, but it's also tough, okay? My wife's great. Sometimes she drives me crazy. I'd say that if she was here. Don't freak out, all right? Giving you great transparency right now. But the reality is, we have a moment. You have a moment right now to what? To promote good order. Good order. What does he mean by that? What he means is, if you are panting after finding someone to fill the void in your life of being alone, you have not truly discovered who God is in your life. Good order is understanding that God is the only one that's going to complete you. He's the only one. You can find a guy or a girl and they will fill some voids, but eventually you'll go right back to feeling how you feel right now because only the Lord only the Lord is going to be able to fill that void of emptiness and brokenness that is inside of each and every one of us. Do you see now why it's so important that we discover that first before we step into marriage and set ourselves up for disaster? And do you see how easy it was? Did you even follow all the things I just listed off about when you start to find the one you're ready to get married? Could you even keep track of all of that? Because I only said half of what I was planning to say. Now take that for a moment. Let's scale back the intensity because I do tend to go overboard. Let's scale it back so it can be like your world and just say this. How hard is it to stay consistent with your relationship with God when you meet someone? I, I mean, have you experienced that? Where it becomes difficult? 
because all of a sudden you want to go out to dinner and you want to talk all the time and then you want to be on the phone and you want to fall asleep on the phone together because it's really romantic or maybe you want to text but then if you want to text you got to make sure that you're up so you can respond because if you didn't respond they might think that they're mad at you you got all these things and you're just trying you just you see how hard it is can you imagine being in a relationship with someone else while also trying to step into a relationship with the lord impossible no difficult you bet and ladies, let me tell you something, lovingly, because I love you. Listen, this man that you are looking for, if he is not focused on the Lord, he is going to not only let you down, but lead you astray. And so the truth is, you might be ready. Congratulations. But if he is not, it is not worth it. You catch this? Because Sarah was ready. Sarah probably could have gotten married while she stepped out of high school. It's weird, I know. It, she's just a, a special person, and I mean that in a, in a beautiful way. Like I, 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 when I stepped out of high school, I needed to go back for a few more years to like process what was happening in my life. Two different spectrums. Can you imagine if she had met me and then she, for whatever reason was so desperate to fill the void because she'd been single for two days and she just said, that's the one, that's the one I'm gonna marry. And I, I would have destroyed the whole thing. Ladies, listen. You may need to wait a little bit longer, but if it gets him ready to be the man that's going to help you sustain a lifelong marriage, it's worth every bit of a couple months or a couple years. Please don't feel this pressure. And this is what Paul is trying to say. But here's what's beautiful about what Paul's saying. This is what I want you to catch. He's not just saying, listen, get over it, get over it, get over it. He's saying, while you wait, let's be productive with the time that we have. Every time Paul uses a gift, Marriage as a gift, singleness as a gift, the gifts of the spirit. Every time he uses a gift, it is in the, it's in the, uh, the framework of building up the church. Could it be that your single days are your greatest opportunity to not only grow your relationship with the Lord and establish it, but also find your place in building up the church? Not even just this church, but the big church, the church of Jesus Christ. Because I'll tell you this, it's real hard to serve the Lord as you get married. In fact, I can prove it to you. We should probably cut the tape for a moment. Singles ministries, they do everything. They hang out all the time, they go out all the time, they eat all the time, they do missions projects, they tear down the worship center, like it doesn't even matter whatever you need to we can handle it. The young marrieds, like disappear. I know, we should not, don't sell it. Tell me when I said this to you, I'm just loving on you right now and giving you stuff you should not know. It's like they get married and it's like, where'd they go? Wait, there's two of you. Shouldn't it be easier, not harder? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And they're like, we need help, we need help. Can we do the, uh, no, let's go to the singles. Because they're the only ones that can, what you have right now is an opportunity to do so many things that you're just not going to be able to do the same when you find the person. Do you see what's happening here? All right, I'll move on. Some of you are like, can he just stop saying the same thing? It's probably because you're not getting it. That's all right. Singleness allows us to secure a singular focus on God. And he says your undivided devotion, undistracted devotion to the Lord. Some of us in our singleness, guys, listen, if we could be really honest for a few moments, which we've actually been honest every minute of this time. But if I could take it to another level for you for a moment. Some of you in this room, and I'm going to say probably a lot of people in this room, you may be ready as far as your lifestyle, you may be ready as far as your walk with the Lord or relationship with the Lord to like step into this next season, but there's a lot of us that we have some hurt and some pain from our past and maybe even our present that we haven't dealt with. And even though you may be ready in all the other areas, simply because of that, you're not ready to take the next step. Some of us are carrying some serious 
baggage right now. And it's baggage that doesn't need to be brought and dumped onto someone else. But God's given you an opportunity to deal with it. I think about my, my daughter, just to have fun with this for a minute. She is in the stage where she has all her stuffed animals. You all have little brothers, sisters, you know. Like she carries them all around. She can't go anywhere without all eight of them and her blanket. And if it's nighttime, a shake. I mean, she just, just is always, navi- she, she's always navigating. Ducky, Minnie, Mickey, uh, she's got big bears, little bears, and she's always got to take them with her. Right now, it's real cute right in the picture. And it's real cute when she's playing in the corner. But when you say, hey, babe, it's time to go. And she's like, okay, where's Ducky? Where's Minnie? Where's Mickey? Where's Bibi? That's her blanket. And she's going through the list and she's trying to carry them all. And she's like walking through the door like this. She's like, can I have a shake too? And I'm like, no, you can't have a shake. You don't have any more hands. Like she's just, this is what some of us look like. We've got so many things that are happening inside. Listen, some of it you didn't do to yourself. Some of it happened to you. It was beyond your control, and that's okay. But we still have got to deal with it because that hurt and brokenness is going to affect you stepping into a relationship. Some of you, it's what's been the problem every time you've stepped into one. It could be addiction. It could be addiction to alcohol, drugs, pornography. Those are all huge. I mean, it could be things that happened to you when you were a kid from parents or from family members. Uh, It could be just the way your parents treated you. It could be the way you saw marriage unfold in your family. You watched your parents get divorced or you watched your dad be abusive or just talk. There's so many things that this could be. And what's happened is these memories, these thoughts, these feelings have been ingrained into you. And if you're not careful, you're going to extend them whether you like it or not you're going to extend them on into your marriage and so many people watch their parents get divorced and they say it's never going to happen it's never going to happen but they never actually deal with it they just get aggressive and say it's not going to happen they end up following right behind or some people grow up in homes that they're abused and because they never dealt with that abuse they carry it over where either they become abusive or they look for someone that is abusive back to them because somehow it fills this void that was created through what happened in the past. So for some of us, singleness is not about like getting in shape and all of these great, it's about you dealing with some of these dark things that you have suppressed for so long in your life. And listen, God is saying right now to you, I don't want you to bear those anymore. I want to take them from you. I want to release you from them. And I want to walk with you and help you get through all of that so that you can step into that marriage right where I desire for you to be. But you have got to let that go and get that help. And it may be very much that that is what you've got to work on. Quickly, I want to just put these in a list for you so that you can walk out of here thinking about this. Here's some questions. First one, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? That's the first question you've got to deal with. Before you're ready to take this next step, who is the Lord? Who is he in your life? Is it a mystical figure up there? Someone you don't believe in at all? Is it someone that you kind of believe in, but you're not quite walking with him yet? Who is the Lord to you? Until you can deal with that question, you're not ready to take the next step. Please hear that as crystal clear as you can. The second, where do you hurt? Just talked about that. Where do you hurt? Investigate your life as if there's something there, even if there's not, so that you can make sure. You have done everything you can to be prepared. Where do you hurt? Here's the third one. Who are you? That's a good question, right? You should know that. How has God wired you? What's your personality like? What are your spiritual gifts? What makes you tick? What makes you angry? What kind of love language do you have? Your identity, these are things that you want to figure out. Because here's why. When you get married, in a very physical and worldly sense, when you get married, what's happening is someone else is stepping into your story. And again, in a worldly sense, you're completing the picture of two becoming one. 
So when you marry someone, you don't want to marry someone that's just like you. Most of the time that doesn't happen. You always wonder, why am I attracted to the opposites? It's, it's God ordained. Don't worry. It's great. Because what they do is they balance out that which you don't have. My wife brings to the table things that I need in my life. For instance, when it comes to money, she loves to save. I love to spend. We balance each other out. It's a beautiful picture. I'm not allowed to go to Best Buy by myself. She's allowed to do whatever she wants because she won't spend it anyway, right? We balance each other out when it comes to personality. It may be confusing to you, I know, but I can be a little aggressive. I can be a little loud. She's not that way. She's very sensitive. She's very thoughtful. She's very detail-oriented. I just want to go. She wants to figure out how we get there. We balance each other out. And so for you to understand who you are will better help you look across that table on that first date and go, sorry, bud, you're real great. You're kind of cute, whatever, but it ain't going to work. We're either too much alike or what you're bringing to the table isn't balancing me out. These are very real questions and very good ones. Who are you? By the way, just to give you a little heads up, in January, we're gonna do a series dealing with all of those things I just listed, your love language, um, all, all the ways that you're wired, all this stuff. We're gonna spend a lot of time going through all of that. So if you're looking to figure these things out, in a couple months we're gonna do that. That was for fun, teaser. Here's number four. Where are you going? Where are you going? Listen, this is good. As God is developing you and establishing you, he's created you, now he's shown you your calling and your purpose, and he's beginning to move you in that direction. Listen, it's nice to know where you're headed before you step into marriage. Now, you're not gonna have the full picture panned out. We understand that. But listen, if you're gonna travel the globe as a musician, or you're gonna be a missionary on the other side of the world, it kinda would be nice to know that before you get married to a city girl that ain't going to Africa, okay? Like these are things that they're just practical. Sorry, Stocky, it's all good though, right? Know it now and you're good, it's all good. Where am I going? This will help me find someone that can be more of a teammate rather than a struggle because we're always separated, we're always frustrated with each other because we're going two different ways. Doesn't mean they're not a good person. It just means they may not be a good fit. Now listen, you're not gonna know every detail of your life in these seasons, and I get that, but it's nice to have an idea kind of where you're headed. Listen, this is what your single days are for to discover these things as you seek the Lord and he reveals them to you. And finally, what does marriage look like to you? What does marriage look like to you? I don't think about this very much, but the picture of marriage that you have is very important. Is it from your parents when you were growing up and what they had, maybe what they had was great, maybe it wasn't. Is your picture of marriage where uh, you're both gonna be working or are you expecting to marry her and she's gonna stay at home, but yet you say, I do, and then she gets up to go to work and goes, I ain't staying home. Like, not gonna happen. I'm, I got a job. I'm going, I'm not, I can't say. It's important that you understand some of these things. What kind of marriage are you gonna want? Are you gonna do a business together? Well, it'd be nice if the other person wants to do business with you, right? I mean, that, that's kind of, these are practical things, but nonetheless, these are things that you can discover in your days of being single. We did a series um, a couple years ago called The Sacred Search based on a book by Gary Thomas. So I encourage you if, you, if you're if you're thinking about that particular question, um, there's a couple messages that kind of talk about who we are, what kind of marriage style we might be interested in, and helping you to navigate that because these are all really important things. Now here's, let's pull back and let's wind this up. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to leave here going, man, I wasn't pumped about being single before, but I think there's some potential here. I'm not saying you need to leave here and call your mom and say, I'm gonna be single for the rest of my life, all right? That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not even saying that you need to go home with that boyfriend or girlfriend, have that talk, and listen, you know, I, I think we just need to be single. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that God's desire is that you and I would say in these days, Lord, I want to lock this in right here. I want this to be so strong that no matter what marriage throws my way, no matter what kids throw my way, no matter what kind of uh, sickness or illness we might have to deal with. Down the Ladies, listen, can I tell you another one real quick? 
if you marry someone that's not very strong in the Lord and then you get sick with cancer, that fool's bailing on you. You get this? So we can't play with this. This is big stuff. I want to secure this so that no matter what happens, my strength is going to come from here and my commitment's going to be based out of here. This is why the single days are so important. Some of you are going to be called to be single for the rest of your life. This size of the room, it's going to maybe be very small, maybe no one. But in case it is, let me tell you something really quick. Number one, you are going to look at the married people and go, you are crazy. And it's going to be awesome. Just keep it to yourself, all right? It's going to be awesome. I have many people on our staff, not many, but there's a handful of people on our staff that I know that are single. They're, they're very seasoned in life. They love it, guys. And I'm telling you what, they have done things for the Lord that married people just can't do. They have time. There are things, I'm telling you, if the Lord calls you to this, you are gonna be a blessing to the church, you're gonna be a blessing to the people around you, and it'll be great. But more importantly, you will be content with it. The Lord will give you peace. I wanna say one other thing to you, this is very serious. If you find yourself in this call to not be married, here's what you're going to encounter. The world is going to tell you that there's something wrong with you. The world doesn't understand that in God's big picture, not everyone's gonna get married. If you do not get married, it does not mean that something's wrong with you. And it absolutely does not mean that you are gay. And I mean that in as, as serious as I can be. Because the world's gonna look at you and go, okay, well maybe you just aren't qualified to be married. And then they're gonna look at you and they're gonna go, okay, that's not really it. And they're gonna, you might, you must be struggling with homosexuality. You just don't want to talk about it. That, that must be what it is. And what I'm telling you is you just shake all of that stuff off. Because if the Lord has called you, man, what he's going to do with you is going to be unbelievable. But most importantly, he's going to give you peace about it. If you're single right now and you're going, please don't give me peace. Please don't give me peace. He's probably not going to. And you're going to be okay. Just relax. But it's also a sign that you're in a really bad spot and you need to slow down. Okay? That's what's up. Now, others of us, the majority of us, this season is going to be temporary. For some of you, it's going to be a couple weeks, maybe, I don't know. For some of you, it's going to be a couple months, a couple years. It's a temporary season. Live it to its fullest. Enjoy every minute, not being stupid, all right? Like, don't, don't have the stories be when you get back with your buddies, dude, you remember the day we chopped on a tree naked? Like, that, use your life better. Be be wise. Sorry, that was too much. I apologize. These, listen, these moments, these moments, you're not going to get back. And they will absolutely shape the trajectory of your life, your marriage, and your kids. Enjoy these moments, but use them wisely. Seek first the kingdom of God. And here's the thing, if you haven't, you're sitting in this room and you have not established a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are not complete, nor are you completely ready. You're not, because it's all centered around him. And ladies, I just, I love you more than I love the guys, so I keep talking to you. If you meet a guy that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, smile wave, maybe take a picture and walk away because it is not worth it, okay? It's not. Now, maybe a couple years down the road, they might turn it all around. I'm a picture of that, but it's not a guarantee. So do not waste your time. Do not lower your standards. Listen, when you become content that God's placed me here and it's okay, you won't Lower your standards. You won't miss warning flags. You will be sharp as attack, focused and ready. And when any person walks by that could be potential, you're not worried about how quick it's gonna happen. You're just making sure it's the right person to have it happen and so you're watching. That's where we wanna be. Get over this idea that I have to have someone. You've been single two days, some of you. It's okay. You'll be fine. Relax. Enjoy this moment. Seek the Lord and be like a hawk. When someone comes, we're going to talk more about this in the weeks to come, but when someone comes across, 
just because they look good or maybe go to church doesn't mean they're the one. There is so much more that matters because I'm telling you right now, the things that will define your marriage being successful will be how serious you are about following and trusting the Lord. Here's why. Because inevitably it's going to get tough. And those that find their strength in the Lord will find a strength that will take them all the way through. We love you guys. We're going to get to the good stuff. But I want you to see that this is actually the most exciting stage you're going to experience right now. And if we do this right, everything coming is going to be beautiful. I was thinking about how to kind of wrap this up to make it practical. And I was thinking about the last few days as we brought home, we brought home a baby boy. Um, Kaysen, yeah, so cute, great. He's cute, cutest kid ever, right? And, um, but I've had to really struggle because I've, I've been trying to keep my daughter Kyla and keep as much time with her as I can, you know, trying to balance the two. And for Kyla, it's been real hard to embrace someone new coming into life and all that kind of stuff. And I started thinking about this and, I was realizing that all these moments that her and I are sharing together, these are, these are memories for her. And I don't know how much she's going to remember some. I hope she doesn't remember. But these are memories that, that we are building together. And, you know, for some of you, when you think back on the time with your dad, some of you, man, you have great memories with your dad. You, 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 you have things that you just celebrate, things that defined you, that shaped you made you more of a man or, or made you understand men better, made you appreciate the value of a strong man in your life for the ladies. Your memories are good. Some of us, our memories with our father are not good. Some of us don't have memories at all. And so there's a void there. And first I want to say that that's something we're going we're gonna to work through. We need to work through. And the Lord wants to help fill that void. But here's the bigger picture I want to show you. All of those memories that you and I have, particularly when we are young, they shape and define you and I and where we're going. They are memories that you'll never forget. And I'm telling you, that is a pretty safe assumption that all of us in this room are fairly young in our faith, simply because we're young in age. And right now in your single days, you have an opportunity to build memories with your heavenly Father that will shape who you are going forward. When I think about my single days walking with the Lord, I remember going to conferences and concerts, going to church so many times. I don't even know why we did it. We just liked to go to church, reading my Bible, spending time in small groups, spending time alone with God, listening to worship. I remember driving back with friends, and in the middle of the, the highway, we'd just say, hey, stop talking, let's just sing. And we'd start singing some random worship song that just happened to come. We used to drive down to Breakway. Like, we did all these crazy things, and there are memories that have shaped who I am as a believer and in my walk. And I'm telling you, these single days, regardless of what your father was to you, these are opportunities for you and I to build memories with the Father that will drive you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness. And let everything else come its way when the Lord is ready to bring it.